Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 2 of The Sopranos, titled No Show. This episode aired September 22nd, 2002. It was written by David Chase and Terrence Winter, and it was directed by John Patterson. Here's the HBO synopsis for this episode. With Polly in jail, Christopher becomes acting capo, but he gets off to a bad start with Patsy. Still troubled by Jackie Jr.'s death, Meadow contemplates taking a year off from college to travel. Meanwhile, Adriana is in a bind after ending her friendship with Danielle, and Silvio discusses a misunderstanding at a Newark Riverfront construction site. Well, here we are, an episode with Terrence Winter. Yeah, that's right. My guy. favorite writer. John Patterson's ninth episode directing. Right. Uh, he's done a lot so far. And we are opening again with Agent Deborah. And her husband, portrayed by Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, they're just adding boobies here because it's HBO. Oh. But, like, do we need every time we see Agent Deborah getting ready right. to play Danielle? She's always in a very tight push up bra. Yeah. You know what's funny about that? I actually thought about it, and I was like, I don't think that's there to titillate the audience. Honestly, I think it's just she wears the push-up bra when she's going into slightly trashier mode. Yes. Not like push-up bra equals trashy. No. Don't want to say that. No. But I think that that is just kind of one of the jokes of seeing her that way. Yeah. She probably doesn't you know, wear that kind of bra when she's no, I, walking around the FBI office, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> right. But she's got to get into character. And she has a full, really full character here for Danielle. I mean, she has her own line. Right. Which is kind of significant that she has her own line at home uh, for this, uh, you know, made up business that she has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting for, for Adriana to call her. Adriana does call her. They're right. still hanging out. They it's getting, are. It's getting, uh, it's going to become a very close friendship. Absolutely. Next scene, Meadow is uh, a bit extra, as the kids say. Yeah, sure. She that is, is what they say. You know, as actually, as the scene opened up, I seriously thought Tony has pink flip flops. You thought that was Tony walking only, only for a brief minute because we've actually got a lot of shots of. Tony and sandals and, right. and slippers walking <laughs> down the, that I just assumed this yeah. was him sauntering into the kitchen, not really paying attention to any sort of right. you know, pedicure or, right. or what have yeah. you. Uh, and then I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's, uh, it's Meadow. Right. And she's just dragging her feet into the kitchen. Yeah. Like a lazy bum. <laughs> well, she's, uh, Coping with the aftermath of uh, Jackie's death in her own way. Sure. Uh, this is a meadow-heavy episode. She gets a lot of screen time in it, which mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about it. We haven't really talked about it yet. I guess we'll get into it now, but I was just like, yeah, I wonder what Gavin thinks about this. This is not Gavin's favorite character, and no. uh, here she is taking a big chunk of the episode being obnoxious. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say she's not... I wouldn't say she's... My least favorite character, mm -hmm. but I, I, I mean, I, it's working on me. Her, yeah. her character is supposed to be this way. We're right. supposed to be irritated by how irritating she is, but sure. she always has redeeming qualities in the end and, and can turn 
you know, one eight, a complete 180 on you. But I will say this is very obnoxious. Like she has just no right to be going off like this. I don't remember her character being like this. I'll be honest. Really? This is just this run through that I'm like, wow. Yeah. Eye rolling and the yeah. just. Well, maybe you look at it differently because, you know, when you were first watching this, I assume like me, you know, you were just much younger. And maybe now as an, a more mature adult, you uh, look at it differently. Maybe. Because you've matured out of mm. what Meadow is depicting in this episode. It's just my little... uh, I'm just playing Melfi a bit here. Thank you. I appreciate you saying I'm more mature. Yeah. There's a bit of really good sound editing here. We've never really given any props to sound editing. Are you talking about the flip-flop smacking on the floor? (laughs) No. (laughs) I just thought this was really well done um, where she's going off on Carmela in this scene and cut to Tony upstairs hearing it right? right? as he's getting dressed. And... They go back down to her and the audio of the conversation, you know, goes from distant where Tony's hearing it and back to the kitchen and it doesn't skip a beat. That's a good point. It's really perfect. Solid. Yeah. It's really, really good. Right. Um, So shout out to the sound editing. Yeah. Um, Oh, and by the way, you actually bring up a really great point because I love when it cuts to Tony and he's just overhearing it. And I feel like that's such a real moment. You know, I'm not a parent. And won't be a parent of a teenager for many, 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 many years to come. But I have to feel that like every parent, you know, has experienced that where they're just overhearing an argument. (laughs) They're like obnoxious teenager is like arguing with uh, the other parent. And you're like, yeah, "Uh, I don't have to be involved in this, but I'm probably going to wind up getting involved. Yeah, for sure. You know, the one one bit soundbite I I would want to play here. Uh, from this scene is that whole thing about the cannon. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going off about the cannon and telling her mom. Now, the great books, Western literature, dead white males, who even in their reductionism have quite interesting things to say about death and loss. Maybe more interesting than what you have to say. Yeah. She sounds a lot like Janice oh, in this scene. Yeah. Like, it's uncanny. How close she sounds like Janice, where Janice kind of goes off in her uh, sort of philosophical tendencies and tries to convince Tony that whatever she's doing or reading or into, it's good for her and it doesn't concern her. It sounded just like that. It's so cool that you made that connection because I never would have thought of that. But now that you've said that, it's totally true. Yeah. It's very much a Janice rant. Yeah. Yeah. Very ranty. Now, the scene kind of just continues right. really from here uh, because Carmela, although pissed off with Meadow, realizes Furio's at the door. Correct. And we get a little bit more of an emphasis on what we saw her do in the premiere episode. Yeah. Right. So just, you know, it was subtle in the premiere episode um, for all debts, public and private, her just sort of um, sprucing herself up a little bit for Furio, but it's a little bit more overt in this episode where she's really getting herself together. And, and you're like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess uh, someone's got a little crush on the, uh, the ponytail man calls him fewer. Yeah. Yeah. And she only realizes 
he's actually there because Meadow's friend Misty, who seems right. like a real gem, yeah, uh, <laughs> points out there's a man with a ponytail in the driveway. Yeah, Misty, she's like a worthless bum. Yeah, <laughs> just like Fuck you, Meadow Misty. is turning into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and Furio does seem to be uh, enjoying the hospitality and the warmth that is mm-hmm. Carmela, which is nice. And um, the scene concludes with Tony tapping his watch as he's too busy to say goodbye to his daughter. Yeah, which I which I thought at first when I watched it, oh, this is gonna play. There's gonna be something about this. Like Tony's always on the run. Right. But it's just that one moment where he's just like, can't. Sorry. Yeah. Gotta go. Yeah, well, he wants to get out of uh, what he hilariously describes as peaceful acres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, we uh, get into Vesuvio, a nice, big, grand meal with the guys. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there. They're in their like formal attire and uh, just hashing out business. The uh, meeting concludes, but not before Ralph makes a very uh, key joke basically ralphie makes what is uh, a pretty ralphie-esque joke at the expense of johnny sack's wife when he says speaking of 98 pounds i hear jenny sack's getting a 95 pound mold taken off her ass <laughs> hey, some guy's wife. Come on. yeah no it is a significant joke for sure and then right before we leave you get a little adr under the breath for tony saying uh to sill to talk to patsy mm-hmm uh, before he leaves and we get this little side business from the yeah. main meeting which i liked i really like this but little paulie's basically delivering news from the can that paulie wants some of these carpenter jobs that ralph has right and ralph's of course being ralph saying yeah. he's only got two available maybe three um but Patsy's really taking the reins here. I mean, he's taking over the conversation from Little Polly. This is the first of many slaps of Little Polly <laughs> yeah. that Patsy has. These little swats. Yeah. Now, should we explain the no work, no show? Hey, you're welcome to if you can. I mean, I kind of vaguely understand what it is. I, I mean, yeah, I think what yeah. it is is that per negotiations with these construction companies, the guys get actual jobs but the no show no work jobs is no work means you show up you don't have to work Mm -hmm. you just have to sit there which we see later on they just sit for hours doing no work and then the no show is what christopher was doing where he didn't have to actually show up but he's still getting paid for work done and that's really what it comes down to exactly yeah speaking of christopher sill reveals that according to tony while Polly is in the can, new acting capo is going to be Christopher. Yeah, a little uh, promotion. And I think it's really uh, interesting to notice that Ralphie actually has like a very positive reaction to this. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, good for you, son. Right. You know, yeah. he's like happy mm-hmm. that uh, Chris is acting capo. Patsy is not. No, Patsy is not. Even Syl has a hard time just blurting it out. Right. Uh, but yeah, the... Uh, the, there's mixed emotions from, yeah. from everyone in the room. Also note, uh, Bobby Bacala is in on the meeting too, which yes. probably normally he wouldn't have been, but he has been bumped up. Right, yeah, because he had to take over for Murph. Right, Murph. <laughs> old Murph. <laughs> Good old Murph. Well, the the scene bleeds into the next one, Christopher and Syl walking out of the of Vesuvio, 
and they're in the parking lot and you gotta love it you gotta love van zant's just displeasure on his face right. he does such a good look here when christopher makes the wingtip joke uh, yeah uh, first yeah chris basically saying hey now that i'm the new poly first thing i'm gonna do is put wings in my hair and it's just straight crickets chris bombed it's so good so hard it's really good really good yeah and now we get danielle and adriana at crazy horse and this is a very interesting scene one thing i was thinking of and we kind of briefly touched upon it in the beginning but how does she know what to say because mm-hmm. I feel like maybe she sat down with an FBI behavioralist and discussed Danielle's background. Who is Danielle that she's going to be playing for six months? Mm-hmm. You know, and and everything, the whole story about Danielle because she's able to like say certain things. She says that she has a sister. Well, does Deborah have a sister or does Danielle have a sister, or is it just both? And she plays an interesting game here with having yeah. all this backstory yeah yeah she's got a cover story for sure i mean i would guess that a lot of it if not all of it is invented mm-hmm. and i believe that that's just kind of how they do it and you need to have like a whole cover character background probably like you know like in the cia for example they'll actually set up, you know, fake companies with like fake numbers. So like if someone wants to call the company that you say that you work for, uh, they can do that. And someone's actually going to pick up. I'm not saying that agent Deborah slash Danielle went to that extent for this. Sure. But that is the kind of thing that these, um, you know, intelligence agencies will do. Right. I like the moment where Adriana is talking about how Christopher has a gun, you know, because he's in a cash business. Right. And Danielle has that remark, oh, stocks is a cash business. And just right. the way she says it, trying to be all innocent. But it's very, it, it feels a little patronizing. Yeah, sure. But of course, it would go over Adriana's head. Right. But just the way she is saying it, it's very funny. It That's is. That's almost like Agent Deborah saying it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that this scene is kind of fun. The way that Danielle is trying to probe and just kind of get Adriana to outright admit that Chris is in the mafia, which of course is never going to happen. Oh, of course. Uh, And you get that kind of fun misdirect where we think Adriana is going to disclose something, but really, and then, you know, and then we see, you know, actually Danielle's kind of getting excited. She's like, oh, here it comes. Wow. I won. I did it. But disappointingly, A just wants to reveal that she suffered a botched abortion in her younger days and maybe won't be able to carry um, a baby to term. Yeah. Now, does she really have an OBGYN? That's my question, too, uh, that I have for Danielle. I don't think so. Slash Deborah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, This episode's really great for Drea De Mateo as well. Yeah. She's fantastic in it. Uh, the... Boys come in, Christopher and little Polly, and Christopher, they go into the back room. Christopher gives little Polly some baking soda, you know, take the smells out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. Wink, wink. A.K.A. cocaine. (laughs) And Danielle and little Polly leave. Christopher says something very interesting here at the end of this scene. Let's just say that Carmella ain't going to be first lady forever. What does he actually think this promotion is? Next step, right. 
boss next step boss <laughs> right tony's just gonna retire in his mid-40s Polly will chris, get out of the can but yeah. christopher will retain his capo yeah exactly uh yeah who knows i mean i think that as tony mentioned in the previous episode that is actually his idea for chris to take over the family one mm-hmm. day so maybe chris just sort of sees this temporary promotion as an indication of that right now could you see chris running Based on what you've seen so far, mm-hmm. would you, if you were in Tony's position, would you be like, I can see potential? You know, it's tricky because obviously Chris, as he is now, I would say no way. Right. But I would also say that Chris has matured since season one, Chris. Yeah. I think there's a clear difference. So maybe Tony's like, hey, if I really groom him, you know, realistically chris wouldn't take over until like you know 15 years from now yeah and then maybe he'll be a very different person at that point and we'll be ready to be boss yeah maybe yeah i don't see it right (laughs) (laughs) again present chris absolutely not but maybe middle-aged chris Eh. yeah yeah well haven't seen uh tony for a hot minute and in this next scene (laughs) This is kind of a funny scene. It really is. Open on Ralph and Janice at uh, Livia's house. Yeah. Ralph has to hide as Tony is knocking at the door, but they're watching this movie, Faces of Death. Right. Which is just, it's a its a really creepy Ralph thing to do. It absolutely is. Yeah. And Tony walks in, says he was just from Bacala's. Yeah. And Janice asks. How's he doing? He's fat. That's all he has to say. <laughs> yeah, Tony's great during this little pop-in. Mm-hmm. Just a total pop-in by Tony. Yep. And while uh, Janice is uh, getting some coffee together for him, he discovers one of uh, Ralphie's loafers. Yeah. Knows that it's Ralphie's. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And how he picks it up, too. Right. Just by the end of the lace. Yeah. <laughs> As if. It really will just contaminate him. But yeah. he obviously didn't remember what Polly said about the laces. Right. Even if they're dry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's arguably the dirtiest part of the shoe. Yeah. Tony. And so then we get some uh, little Polly. And Polly, uh, little Polly pays his uncle a visit in the can mm-hmm. and uh, kind of just goes over the recent dealings and. Polly's going to get some no-show jobs and all of that. And so it's all hashed out well. And uh, what little Polly lets slip, of course, is this uh, 95-pound mole on the ass of Jenny Sack joke. Yes. And uh, who knows if that's going to come back to well, haunt we, we, anyone. We know the friendship with, or yeah. the presumed friendship between Polly and Johnny right. is there. Right. And that Polly is already not feeling comfortable in his own crew. Yeah. That, yeah, this might not be good. <laughs> Maybe you, not. You missed three pounds, by the way. 98 pounds. Oh, 98, not 90, 95. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, it's it's yeah. the detail that I think is important. Because if it was 95, maybe Polly's right. like, oh, it's not bad. I'll let it slide. But yeah, 98, that's 98. just three pounds too mean. Yeah. 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 yeah so Polly does get a little uh, recap. He's still, he semi-happy about the jobs that mm-hmm. he got he didn't make you know an unpleasant face and especially since he heard that tony made ralphie give him those jobs right a um, little upset no one showed up to see his mom or check in yeah. on her 
all this stuff. Poor Polly. Yeah. Still. He's, he's probably a little bit tired of being in jail at this point. Sure. Uh, this is super dumb, but one thing that I noticed that was kind of fun was that little Polly's hair sort of echoes yeah, Polly's hair. I did notice that too. Polly obviously has his famous wings, and uh, little Polly has a bit of a skunk stripe. Yeah, gray wisp on yeah. the side. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Well, next we get the first of the no work jobs. We open up on just a couple of the guys sitting on lawn chairs. Yeah. Not doing shit. Right. And I love Oh, sorry. I just I just love that sign uh that they kind of linger on to open the scene Newark, the other city by the bay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a slightly, no offense, Newark, just a slightly less pretty version of San Francisco. Yeah. But Christopher rolls up, right? Because yeah. this is now his crew. He's yeah. now in charge. Right. And we can see there is a bit of tension between Patsy and Christopher. Oh, yeah. Because he hands over uh, an envelope to Christopher, and Patsy has to make this anthrax joke mm-hmm. about spores. Right. No one's laughing, a especially year... Patsy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Chris says that's not funny. And, you know, again, as we mentioned, this is post 9-11. By the way, uh, episode 401, mm-hmm, right? right? The uh, season premiere of season four, obviously, was the first post 9-11 Sopranos episode aired. Right. Yeah, because there was a question and... about that. I wasn't sure which one. And also, was yeah. it, I mean, it was the first one tape or like recorded and shot uh yeah i would assume i would assume well. that too yeah let's just say that yeah but yeah so it's definitely uh i guess the first episode that doesn't have the world trade center in it ah okay. i would guess yeah the guys at the end of the scene have this look at each other as mm-hmm. they see these large cable fiber optic cables and everybody's standing around christopher's car yeah. Vito gives a look patsy gives a look right. christopher gives a little nod right and you're thinking oh okay yeah might just swipe these fiber optic cables they're all on the same page and also i would be remiss if i didn't mention how funny it is to see big Vito. With that little construction hat on. <laughs> you know, it just kind of made me uh, think of uh, Chris Farley. Oh, yeah. Fat man in a little coat. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, Tony and Melfi get their moment here in the next scene. Yeah. And it's interesting in this moment, because he's going off about Meadow, that he can't really play this lie too well. You can see that he's kind of caught by Melfi in a way, because she does bring up Jackie. It was uh, some kind of drug deal, you said. Exactly, yeah, yeah. All the earmarks. No, it's got to be tough. For, for him, he doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Kid's dead. Yeah. But he's kind of like, he's got to backpedal a little bit. Exactly. He has you to know? be like, oh, yeah, what's the story again? <laughs> oh, that's right. It was random drug dealers. We have no idea what happened. Right. Wow, it's just, yeah, what a tragedy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, a little bit of backpedaling. Right. Um, and I thought about how it's not even a question anymore that Tony mm-hmm. goes th- and sees a therapist. You right. notice that? Yeah. You know, we're in season four. Yeah. And that was like the big to-do of one and two. Uh-huh doesn't matter anymore right you know and we're just kind of grown accustomed to it but i had a moment while i was watching i was like huh 
not even a question. Right. He just sees Melfi now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just fully um, integrated in his life, this therapy, and it's just not really a, a big deal. Yeah. You know, and uh, jumping back again in the previous episode, <laughs> uh, uh, when Carmine said, there's no stigmata these days. Yeah. So... Yeah, you know, yeah. everyone knows it's just part of the, the Tony Soprano experience. Mm-hmm. We end the scene with him saying, well, she's going back to college. Cut to she's sleeping in and tells Carmela she's taking a year off and possibly going to Europe with Misty. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is not great for the parents. Not what they wanted to hear at all. You know what's funny? Earlier when you said Misty was a bum, mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes, going to Europe with that Misty trash. <laughs> wow, we're so yeah. judgmental. Yeah, we are. Misty, who I mean, has about like... four seconds of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just her walking in smoking yeah. or her just calling Carmela Mrs. Soap. Right. Anywho. Well, she just made quite the impression. We were able to correctly ascertain that she is... A trashy bum. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm sure certain uh, a certain number of our listeners probably noticed this when they watched this episode that Meadow gives this sort of head shake from side to side when she mm-hmm. tells Carmel, you obviously don't want me around. And she yeah. does like this little side to side head shake. Right. And goes, you know, turns over and takes the phone. Yeah. And I was just like... like made me shudder where i was like wow how can they stand living with her it's uh it's amazing yeah how much if you were tony or carmella you would probably just want to like just wrap your hands around meadow's throat i mean let her go yeah like let her learn her lesson send her off right say bon bon voyage yeah i mean which is basically uh tony's point yeah, Tony right? does feel that way later yeah. on coming to terms with this. But Carmela yeah. at first hates this. Can't understand why she's not going to school. That's right. I mean, really, like, Tony obviously doesn't like it either. Right. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how Meadow is so annoying <laughs> that it maybe forces <laughs> a slight change of heart. Yeah. This is a really funny... We get really funny arty moments in this episode Mm -hmm. and this next scene with tony at the bar and Artie's just kind of going off about his problems who does she think i am bill gates and tony's like you're the bartender you're supposed to be listening to my problems that's such a great line (laughs) it really is so good i think we can make a a, just speaking for this scene christopher walks in right and he says sorry i'm late I'm pretty sure we can make a mashup of all the people scheduled to see Tony who come in late. Right. I mean, we, it would, yeah. it would, there, there has to be at this point now, at least a dozen yeah, sure. scenes where it's like, Hey, Tony, sorry, I'm late. Sorry. Yeah. I'm late, Tony. Right. Uh, these guys are only punctual when a hit is in the offing. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, I think you yeah. said too, it's, it's good to start a scene late right work yeah come in late character feels like yeah yeah well so yeah they're taking it a bit literally on the sopranos (laughs) hey it works (laughs) it works yeah and tony just basically in this scene disciplines christopher for those fiber optic cables right look at the big picture that this is you know a million dollar job right 
and they're fucking around with like these kind of relatively petty thefts that could threaten to you know really undermine slash you know ruin the whole larger operation there's that throwaway line when uh chris is trying to bullshit tony like he doesn't know what tony's talking about and he's like oh yeah the m80 and the porta potty right. <laughs> sorry about that which is so funny yeah there, there's a lot of uh lines here from christopher mm-hmm. when he says you know i thought i was using my head right or aren't they insured right these are the signs that tony should see yeah god damn it this kid's not the one who should be taking over but unfortunately yeah i mean that's kind of the best he he's got again that i will return to a line from last week's episode you know what i've been dealt as my nephew yeah essentially so tony kind of has to make the best of this and and kind of groom chris as well as he possibly can yeah so now we have kind of what i describe uh, as a curious scene a ridiculous (laughs) this is ridiculous (laughs) ralphie versus veto (laughs) in basketball like what am i looking at (laughs) the turtleneck right and And then just veto who is you know a a thousand pounds and very large (laughs) how is he realistically a competitor to anyone yeah well i think for ralph that's the point it's not a big it's not a lot of competition Right, Although he's exerting a lot of energy. It yeah. seems like Joe Pantoliano is is exhausted. Uh, it's really really funny. Uh, at first, I was kind of like, "What is the point of this scene?" And I guess it is really just to get Ralph's perspective on his relationship with Janice. Yeah, and to kind of explain it a little bit, which is what we need. Yeah, yeah, because you would kind of you do think you know, oh, like it's sort of weird that Ralph would go for a Janice. Yeah, uh, but that's kind of what he addresses, you know. Not normally my type, and uh, yeah, could help his career. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, it's just nice to have uh, the boss's sister to hang out with and watch Faces of Death with, and and maybe have sex with. Yeah. Scene ends. Hook shot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this next scene opens up with a pretty funny bit of dialogue as aj enters the scene doesn't have a big part in this but tony finds out about meadow's interest in leaving for europe and he's yelling at carmella about it oh i suppose all these parties she goes to constantly they're all memorials for jackie jr right mr tony please with the yelling you still online yes as a matter of fact i am really good yeah stop with the yelling and then she just proceeds to yell at aj i know it's good yeah but another great line, I, there's so many good little bits in this uh, episode, but the scene also has another one where they're they're going off about it, like, what's in Europe? So what the fuck's in Europe? Well, experience, real life, art. You know, I knew all this constant hopping on art was going to cause trouble. That is such a hilarious, ridiculous <laughs> line. But yeah. What? I loved it. Oh, man. Yeah, once you think that one up, how can you not put it in the script? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All this harping on art. So, Tony and Carmela are a united front at this point. They yeah. are anti-Meadow going to Europe. And from there, we return to uh, Adriana's storyline uh, with Chris. Mm-hmm. And he comes home, and he's about to get high. But before he gets high on heroin again... Uh, he t- 
tells Adriana that he's figured out what's wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> with Danielle. And it is kind of funny what he's yeah. come up with. Because, you know, you think like, oh, has he figured it out? Does he understand that she's not who she says she is? I mean, he says it's some bad shit. Right. What he's figured out. I will say before we get to that. Yeah. I have to point out what Adriana is watching. Oh, was it Everybody Loves Raymond? She's watching yeah. Everybody Loves Raymond again. That's which right. Which we saw in the episode uh, Second Opinion in season three. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought so, too. It's like, oh, wait, does Christopher actually know? He's being a little bit nonchalant about it. You think he would be a little more nervous or intense about it? Nope, she's a lesbian. Well, as Chris puts it, she's a dyke. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Ridiculous. It is. But, you know, it's so funny because you get a... We'll get into more of this later in the episode, but Chris is right, but in the wrong way. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. And so that's kind of just funny to see. I love this. There's a very long pause, a dramatic pause, if mm-hmm. you will, of Dre de Mateo as Adriana processing right. what he's saying here. Like, wait, maybe no. And right. it's really good. She has many different faces yeah. and thoughts floating through her mind, which was really well done. And I love how she just <laughs> defers to the wisdom of Christopher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he's such a jerk. Uh, also, I liked a little bit of, we've talked about this before, that kind of fun thing that they'll do in The Sopranos uh, that kind of echoes what you saw in the big Lebowski where the dude would yep. repeat yep. things that he had heard to try I, and sound smart. I saw it in this next scene. Yep. Right. And well, Chris, you know, he says here, uh, you're not seeing the big picture to aid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course that's what Tony told him Yep. regarding the fiber optic cable high. So that's just kind of a fun bit of writing. And they kind of repeat that joke in the very next scene. In the very next scene. Yeah. Because he sits down with little Polly and Patsy, which again, Patsy Slapping little Polly for trying to apologize for mm-hmm. stealing the fiber optics because Patsy thought Christopher gave him the word. Right. And of course he did. He gave him a little nod. He said, yeah, yeah. go ahead and do it. But then Christopher got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he says, you got to look at the big picture right. and use your head. Right. And Patsy's like, use my head. <laughs> right. <laughs> and also just that touch of Chris being just totally high or coming down or whatever yeah just sunglasses with the, like super dark tent sunglasses yeah. indoors yeah. it's just really silly but I, i'm really at this point enjoying the episode you know terrence winter yeah the guy's a good writer right really is and we got you know david chase uh working on this as well so that's where we're getting a lot of funny moments right coming from here um in this next scene though john patterson as well what do we have here exactly? Because this shot, this frame, mm-hmm. is in the wall. Because hmm. we're at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And we have Carmela, Meadow, Tony. Mm-hmm. We're on the side where AJ would normally sit. Mm-hmm. But it's a very wide mm-hmm. angle. Mm-hmm. Is this a set? Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you could do a shot like that when it's a set. <laughs> all right. Well, I just should have asked. Is it a set? <laughs> yeah. No, that's all. It's not yeah. the actual house, basically. No. Yeah. They're they... not in a real house. The Sopranos house is not a real house. So yes, like, it is. Well, from the exterior, of course it is. No, the interior is No, a real when house. they're inside, they're on a set. 
No. Yeah. The whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I know. It's surprising because they do a really good job of making it seem real. Also, I think what kind of blurs the line... I've looked into this. This is how I know. Uh, um, <laughs> since no one can tell since this is a podcast, but I'm giving Hannibal a look. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't... I don't believe him. <laughs> but we haven't talked about this yeah, up no, until we this haven't. point. We really haven't talked about yeah. it. And I guess it's just never come up before, but this was something that I thought was curious because I too was like... I, I just assumed it was a house, you know? Yes. Here's the thing. In the pilot episode, it is a real house, though. And so they just recreated that house interior oh, okay. on a set. Okay. So yeah. what we're seeing inside the house mm-hmm. is what literally, that's right. what the kitchen looks like of yes. that house. Yes. But from the remainder on, yeah. from episode two, season one, it has been a set. Yeah. Just full on a set on a soundstage. Yeah. Silver Cup Studios. Wow. Every time there's an interior... Almost every time there's an interior uh, in The Sopranos, they're on a set. All right. Yeah. Very cool. I like that because yeah. uh, I honestly didn't think that. Well, it's interesting, too, because uh, the sets don't really look like sets, which is great. Like, yep, they mean, look so real. You that's know? the point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, then. It's a set. It's always been a set. <laughs> <laughs> but there she goes again. Right. Right? Meadow. Talking about bringing up Jackie Jr. Right. As, you know, as her crutch. Mm-hmm. Anytime she gets cornered with the truth, yeah. she brings up Jackie Jr. and how she's struggling with it. Let me get this very interesting moment, you know, eerily reminiscent of when Tony was kind of questioning Big Pussy. Right. Where everything would go quiet. Yeah. And he's processing. Exactly. And we get that here, but we get like a ticking like a time bomb and right. it does go off. Tony just blows up, says, yeah. you want to go? Go. Yeah. He's heard enough. He's uh, reached the end of his rope and Meadow's like, okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Tony and Carmela debrief. Yeah, exactly. And Carmela expresses her frustration at Tony's flip flop and then demands that he send Meadow to the therapist that uh, Melfi suggested. Right, we didn't mention that before, but that's, that's right. what Melfi suggested in that previous scene, that she could see somebody. Yeah. And maybe Meadow's depressed. Exactly. And uh, the hope from the parents is that the therapist will make uh, Meadow see reason and be like, well, of course you can't go to Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, you must do the responsible thing and be a student at Columbia. Yeah, I well, like Tony's line about... Yeah. Maybe she'll meet an Italian boy and then pointing to Furio as a good example. Oh, yeah. And it kind of catches Carmela for a second. Right. And she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're just so right. And that was a really good little like bit of irony there. Yeah. And then uh, we get to the therapy between Meadow and the doctor recommended by Melfi. And this is a fun scene because uh, this is like a silly super indulgent therapist yes, she is who does the exact opposite of what tony and carmella were hoping she would do and i just gotta point out melfi is like kind of like off the mark with these recommendations <laughs> right. because like she recommended that therapist to carmella yeah and then that therapist was like this 
old, like, just, you know, super harsh, super blunt guy mm. that just, like, crushed her yeah. and was like, your husband's evil, and you're <laughs> evil if you stay with him for one more second. And then, you yeah. know, here we get the second Melfi recommendation. Yeah, this hippie. Yeah, this hippie who's like, hey, do whatever you want. Yeah. I like how she's uh, mirroring... Uh, Meadows sitting position mm-hmm. as well. I don't know if you noticed that, but both of yeah. their legs are tucked up on the chair. Right. And uh, actually, it should be important to point out that this actress, uh, Linda Lavin, is uh, is good at this character. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is good. You know, what, what, we'll probably get this character once, right. and it's very good. But she's actually a Golden Globe winner. Oh, really? For what? She had a show in the 80s called Alice. She played Alice. Cool. She got a Golden Globe for it. Hey. There you go. She's there you go. Award winner right there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, we kind of get an explanation uh, from Meadow about her behavior in the season finale of season three. Right. right. Of her running off and what it was all about. And, yeah. You know, she goes into it a bit. Mo- she goes into it a bit more about the how just disgusting it was that people just listening to Junior sing uh, this depressing italian song right when they weren't even like thinking about jackie jr right and yeah yeah uh i do like kind of meadows dialogue in this scene especially how she is uh so ironclad in her you know denying that the mafia exists right she's not even tempted in the slightest to kind of give away like who Tony really is, even though she's not got a great relationship with her parents at the moment, even though she obviously doesn't believe in the mafia herself, but still, and we did see this right in uh, the season three finale, admitting it to an outsider is just not a line she'll even consider crossing. Yeah. And she's very set in that. Yeah. For all of her critiques about her family. Right. She won't go into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And then uh, the I, I don't know where the molestation right. part comes up. It's very odd. But it does sound like something that a therapist would ask with a a young girl being so, I wouldn't say obtuse, but right. she's, she's avoiding certain topics yeah. specifically around her dad. Yeah. And I think that the therapist, too, she's it's just part of her character. She's like fishing for the drama. Mm. She kind of just wants the drama. Yeah. You know. Now we open up on a very pensive sill. That's right. Sitting alone in the back of the Bing on set. This is a set. <laughs> That's this right. This is an actual back of a strip club. Yeah. And I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, so no. It's, well, it's, you know, here's another thing good. too. I think part of what sells it so well is they do a really really good job of cutting between the real exterior. Yes. And then the fake interior. So your mind doesn't jump like you just naturally assume it's all the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Syl brings up to Tony who comes in uh, that Patsy is uh, what what is the word that he is? Oh, feeling marginalized. Marginalized. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is kind of a fun scene in a way because, well, fun is a weird word to use. It's more like just interesting how this scene you really get into the heart of Sill's storyline. So what you basically find out in this scene 
is that Cr the Chris's Capo storyline isn't really the Chris's Capo storyline. It's really the Sill is pissed off storyline. Yes. And that's kind of revealed here as we're sort of getting towards the end of the episode, actually, which I thought was kind of interesting storytelling. And it does work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you, you, you just get a little hint. It's yeah. Not, it's not outright because Sill is using Patsy as a... Right. Patsy, as, as a Patsy. <laughs> for his own feelings. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that is interesting. Still simply talking about himself here. Yeah. And uh, Tony either doesn't pick up on it or doesn't really want to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. At least not in this scene. Right. But in this next scene, oh boy, Christopher. Right. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But uh, he's hanging out at Crazy Horse. It's it's packed. Danielle is there. He's trying to get to know her a little bit more. Adriana shows up. They all go into the back. And they try to get an undercover FBI agent to take a hit of cocaine. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, exactly. Followed by uh, <laughs> trying to enlist her in a threesome. Oh, I like that. <laughs> enlist her in a threesome. Yeah. And... None of the girls are having it. Danielle right. leaves. We get this great line from Adriana. You and those fucking videos. Yeah, exactly. About Chris's porn. Right. <laughs> Thinking that he was just going to fuck the two of them. Right. Yeah. No, it's so great, the dialogue between the two of them in this scene. So basically, you know, they go back and forth. Mm. Uh, Adriana is really, really angry. Chris does a great job of covering here, though. Mm -hmm. Uh which is, you know, he says the thing that, like, <laughs> I feel like any guy would be forced to say <laughs> if he was somehow in the odd situation of being <laughs> caught by his girlfriend trying to rope her into a threesome that she <laughs> wasn't asking for. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You'd basically... We see this all the time. Right, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> you just have to say, like, oh, no, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. It was her. Right. She was the one, the person who's not in the room anymore. Yeah. She was trying to make it happen. And then I also love how he flips that whole sort of, <laughs> she was telling me where she buys her pants or like <laughs> underwear. It's just so ridiculous. And, yeah. Uh, but this is where, yeah. you know, we get to Christopher is right, but he's not right on the facts. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. he's, he's telling Adriana, she's trying to break us up. She is here for some devious purpose mm -hmm. and it's not good for us. Right. He's, he's telling her exactly yeah. what she needs to know. Yeah. This bukyak. By the way, I like the yes. callback to that word. Bukyak. Uh, from D girl in season mm -hmm. two, uh, you know, is trying to tear us apart. That's what Chris tells Adriana. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. But just in the wrong way. Yeah. Lesbian undercover FBI agent. Right. Lesbian. Who knows the differences? <laughs> <laughs> and then you also have like one of the most fun exchanges of the episode or of any episode. I just think this is so great. Uh, when Adriana is like, you were saying she had a nice ass. I was trying to say something positive because she's your friend. Right. I'm going to use that next time. That's such a, a hilarious scumbag thing to say. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say that about one of Allie's friends. Okay, good. And then I'm, gonna be like, I'm just trying to say something nice about your friend <laughs> like you wanted me to. Right. I actually also liked how Michael Imperioli says he says come here, right? To Adriana, mm -hmm. 
But the way he says it, he says, come a here. Right. Come a, come a here. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird way of saying, like, come here. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because I think that he's just playing this whole scene like a dude who's uh, really drunk and also on cocaine. And possibly maybe he did a little shoot, shoot him up earlier. Shoot, a little shoot him up. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed them all together. So he's, uh, he's pretty messed up. Yeah. And then we get, uh, uh, you know. Fairly uh, Game of Thrones-ish. <laughs> yeah. Sill, you know. Yeah. Sill kind of playing the Littlefinger role, if I may mix my prestige television HBO shows a bit. You can. Uh, because he very deliberately undercuts Tony here mm-hmm. by giving Patsy the go-ahead to rob the construction site yet again. Yeah. The yeah. tiles. Deliberately. Right. Yeah. And uh, Syl's a bit crafty here because, you know, Patsy's like, hey, we're clearly crossing a line. Like, we both know that the boss said we can't do this. Mm-hmm. And Syl's just like, hey, do I got it. your back. Yeah. Ooh, chills. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. how this next scene opens up with the shot of Tony walking, not even halfway down the stairs. Right. Stopping and seeing Janice is in his kitchen. My favorite line is in this scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Then I will. Uh, <laughs> I will just skip over this and just say how funny it is to see them interact with each other. It's great. And as I was watching the scene, I was just reminded. Basically, you know, the scene is Tony fucking with Janice, basically yes. <laughs> about the fact that she's with Ralph. Although it does turn serious towards the end when he's like you know ralph is no fucking good he's really trying to get that into her head Mm -hmm. that he doesn't like ralph and he just doesn't want janice with ralph because he thinks that ralph is a genuinely bad person and he is correct yeah yeah but it was just fun also uh i was reminded of the fact that uh, these two actors you know, Gandolfini and Turturro go back, they you know, do. many years. And so you can kind of see that in this scene. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. We'll cut to a Danielle at uh, home gets a phone call on her private line, her right. Adriana line, answers it. And we learn that it's been four months now. That's right. Since meeting uh, Adriana. Made a note and of that. Adriana is pissed. Because she's siding with Christopher. She bought it completely. Yeah. I mean, she is no genius. I mean, she's not an idiot, but she's no genius. And also, I mean, I think that she really wants to believe Chris. Right. That's a huge part of it. But also, she's just kind of a, you know, a loyal girlfriend. So she's going to take the side of Chris over uh, Danielle. You yeah, know. she's obviously yeah. still hurt by it, though. Right. I mean, she did tell Danielle something she's never told anybody else about not being able to get pregnant. So, Good. yeah, you know, that, that kind of hurts. But it spills over into the FBI, and now they really have no choice. Right. As we see, they decide to just bring Adriana directly in. Right. And I don't know, it's a very minor thing, but do we learn here for the first time that Agent Harris's first name is Dwight? You know what? I had a moment here, too, where I, I, I was like, I made a note Yeah, that they're calling him Dwight. Dwight Harris. Dwight Harris. There you go. And uh, more fun dialogue here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, Dwight says to Frank, the Fed chief. You know what the problem is, right? She gave him all the Santé a hard on. 
<laughs> yeah. Which is pretty much true. Yeah, that is, is kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. They both become slightly creepy when uh, when Deborah is involved. Yes. And the Fed chief is like, I had a dream about her. <laughs> it is bad. Yeah. It's bad. Just another funny moment from Artie. Artie is just now playing the clown of the show. Full on clown. <laughs> Seriously. You're absolutely right. But I love that he just remembers Massarone for complaining about his order right. <laughs> one time that he was at Vesuvius. Like he remembers everybody who made a complaint about his food. I, yeah. I like that to, attention to detail of the character. Artie, because of his uh, separation slash impending divorce from Charmaine is just very grumpy and sensitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is where we get Tony hearing about the floor tiles. Right. Yeah. All right. That's a problem. It is a problem. It's specifically a problem for Patsy in this next scene. Yeah. As Christopher confronts Patsy once again over disobeying him. This time, truly disobeying mm -hmm. what he said. And I just thought, wow, Christopher's really going for it, isn't he? Pulling right. out the gun and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Patsy, you know, he doesn't like taking orders from Chris. Chris is, like, so much younger than Patsy. So that's obviously a huge part of the subtext here. Yeah. And it's also interesting that, you know, Adriana is in tow for this yeah uh to to kind of see the whole thing but yeah mm -hmm. patsy and chris get into it in a huge way gun pulled crowbar uh pipe something pipe yeah. you know is uh, hefted yeah uh and they get into it of course you know they're separated before any like real violence can happen but i gotta say you know chris michael imperioli asked chris in this scene really let loose a lot of like impressive uh spray i noticed <laughs> that the spittle was yeah. it definitely intense especially when he got into accusing patsy of going through adriana's underwear <laughs> right. which we know was actually polly right. which is just amazing it's yeah. amazing but and yeah. Patsy seems to know what he's talking about too, right. which is also funny. Just the rain of spittle, though. Yeah, no, it was it was impressive, right? But I almost had my favorite line in this scene, and it oh, really? almost was Vito. Yeah, when Patsy busts this guy's head in with the pipe after Christopher leaves because he's going to call the cops, right? And Vito says, "Get him to the fucking hospital. Make sure he keeps his mouth shut." Keep your fucking mouth shut. Right. <laughs> Pointing to the guy who's just unconscious on the floor. Right. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and then the line right before that from Patsy, before he clubs the guy in the head, is That's great true. too. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Ralph Bunch over here. <laughs> <laughs> Clang. And it's such a great metallic sound it too. Is. <laughs> the guy's head gets just dented. Uh, that's why you wear your construction helmet, folks. True. Yes. Pay attention to Vito Spatafor in this episode. <laughs> he does wear his construction helmet. He does. Well, here, um, here we go. Get into maybe one of the most intense scenes. Yeah. Wow. I love this scene. It is so heavy. Yeah, like, it, is. it is just some really great acting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tony versus Meadow. Mm -hmm. Great scene. Yeah. Great way to start it, asking your mom, who's upset you're not going back to school, for a sandwich. Right. It's like, who are you? Who right. are you, Meadow? Yeah. This is where I get my frustration with this character. This is ridiculous. Yeah. It's but true. it's so 19. It really yeah. is. 
If I think about it, it's very 19. But even kind of like a like super young, obnoxious version. I mean, as as Tony and Melfi discussed earlier, Meadows regressing. Mm-hmm. So she's even like, I think almost subconsciously trying to be more immature than she knows she actually is. Yeah. Just for the sheer obnoxiousness of it. Great details here just leading into to- getting Tony into the scene. He throws his sock in the air. So yeah. this whole scene, he's got one sock on. That's right. <laughs> and then barefoot on the other. Yeah. And then he sits on this bowl that's hidden under all these pieces of uh, newspapers and yeah. magazines. But I just wrote, I don't know necessarily what this is referencing, but I can only assume it's when Meadow, I just wrote the word smug in capital letters here. Oh, I think that she is the definition of smug when she gets up and she does that kind of eye roll, neck roll, and says to Tony, oh, well, listen to Mr. Mob Boss. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what is the line that uh, Tony is not going to allow her to cross. And, uh, you know, of course she says this in response to the fact that Tony's like, look, I know I said earlier that I was going to let you go to Europe, but I'm back on Carmela's side and we are a united front. We don't want you to go. And in fact, you can't mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. And this is where we really get into the kind of like Jamie Lynn Sigler versus James Gandolfini. And it's like really powerful. It really know? is. Yeah. It's a great performance by both of them. Gandolfini, I mean, obviously, right? Just a powerhouse here. I mean, yeah. I would be terrified if I was in this scene. Yeah, it, yeah. It, he, he's just giving so much to her, really, as an actor. He truly is. But uh, yeah, he gets right into her face, and they have this one exchange here that I, I just noted, where she yells at him. Like you could talk honestly for three fucking seconds. You tried me. And this big pause. Does she try him? Right. <laughs> Does she ask for a little bit of honesty? Yeah. That she, you know, wants? Because in this discussion, she's blowing up about how they can't just be out in the open about it. Right. But she Too much points. for her. Yeah. Yeah. She, she flies away. And, I mean, I think it's like such a climactic moment because... I think, you know, Tony for the first time, presumably since Jackie died, which I guess was four months earlier, you know, Tony for the first time is like, look, I tried to save your friend. You know, I tried to save Jackie, Mm -hmm. uh, who is the son of, you know, my best friend who died and all of that. And he is very emotional. It's interesting because it's a bit of a performance, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously like he is directly responsible for Jackie Jr.'s death. He yes. essentially executed Jackie Jr. But he is speaking a little right. honestly about how he did try to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Meadow is is overwhelmed and, yeah, runs out saying she's going. And Tony, you know, very emotional, yelling out of her, yelling after her, uh, do not do it, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a great scene. It, yeah. Yeah, it's one of like the best scenes I think uh, between these three actors that we've seen up until this point in the series. Yeah, yeah, but the intensity just keeps on rolling as Adriana is picked up. That's right. By the agents, learns for the first time that 
Danielle is actually Deborah. Yeah. Well, she doesn't learn that she's Deborah, but she learns that she's an FBI agent. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, I just got to say, you know, poor Adriana, you were saying before, you know, she's not dumb, but she's definitely not smart enough to ask for a lawyer. Right. Which is you would think somebody who is at home a lot watching TV would have picked up something from Law and Order or <laughs> you know, one of these television shows. Yeah. Well, she's just so freaked out. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I guess I just forgot that this storyline didn't play out a little bit longer of of uh, Adriana not knowing the truth about Danielle really mm. being Deborah. But they kind of just wrap that up right here in the second episode of season four. Yeah. I mean, and we only have 13 episodes, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. No time to waste. Uh, and the feds do not waste time and really kind of uh, laying a heavy hand down on aid and saying, you will cooperate or you will go to prison right. or you'll get killed when, you know, Tony and the rest of them find out. I found that yeah. interesting how it was agent Harris saying that line. Is a bit harsh for him. It is. It feels like it's harsh for Dwight, right? To just, <laughs> you know, he's he's. We've seen Dwight be soft before. Well, he's always noticeably soft around Tony. Like they're just buddies. Like it's not yeah. like like he's not even investigating Tony. You know, yeah. she can't get over that she was lied to, right? By Deborah, and it's a buildup of so much fear and emotion and betrayal that it comes out in a truly dramatic moment of projectile vomit. Yeah. She really spews over all of them. All of them. Just kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she can't do much, but she could just accidentally spew everywhere all over them. And they are drenched. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting, but it just yeah just serves to emphasize the fact that uh this is serious it's very serious and aid is in some deep shit so it's presumably the next morning and sil arrives at tony's house and uh tony looks pretty weary he says that it seems that meadow has departed for europe and mm -hmm. uh he's not doing too great but yeah it's time to discuss you know serious business another so, good scene Yes, another great scene. And so they go down to the basement where uh, Tony feels secure to discuss such business in the home. I definitely noticed the AC. Ah, yeah. Blaring. Right. As well. Right. Yeah, just another security measure, mm -hmm. you know, to have that to distort just in case the feds have, say, a lamp right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> planted. But this is a great scene because Tony is very gently confronting Syl about this very kind of serious undermining of Tony's authority. Right. Well, for Syl, it's not, it was just fucked up timelines. Right. right. That's all. Yeah. But the important thing is that Tony knows what Syl did and Syl knows that Tony knows what Syl did, mm -hmm. but because they're friends and because Syl has the rank he has, which is basically second in command, you know, Tony's not going to punish him, but, but still can't admit right. what he did. No. Is it a hanging offense? As he asks, right. I would say it's close to, right. It's like a hand cut off <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. But I, I love Van Dant here, you know, cause when, ha when was the last scene where he got a really meaty chunk? That's right. Of acting. Yeah. You know, to really show his chops. 
you know, for a guy who is a guitar yeah. player. Yeah. Not a real actor. Right. Does amazing in this scene. I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, when you think about it, you're talking about a guy who was famous for, you know, being in one of the most famous bands of all time. Yeah. And wasn't really an actor at all, I think, until no. this show. Yeah. And then you see him, like, doing really well. And he's great. I mean, Sill's a great character, and he plays him really well. Uh, but I think what's just fun about how this scene concludes is that Sill came prepared, you mm -hmm. know, even though he bullshits Tony and Tony kind of knows he's being bullshitted right. at the end of the day, if Sill's able to give Tony a cut, Tony will forgive it. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Sill reaches in, pulls out his role, hands him over to Tony <laughs> says, Hey, some more is coming. Yep. And uh, Tony's like, yeah, there better be. Right. <laughs> right. At first I thought, oh, what an odd ending to this scene. Mm -hmm. But it's just really an understanding that everybody knows what went down. Right. What transpired. Right. And Tony will just get his cut. Yeah. And we'll just move on. Yeah. And still won't do it again. Yeah. Even though he's still probably sour. Yeah. About the whole Chris thing. Right. Yeah. Kind of another moment where you would think, oh, this is another ridiculous random scene. But I think it's important to have this subtle moment of Ralph, Ralph clipping his toenails at the bed. You oh, don't, right. You don't do that. Yeah, no. And as he points out, Janice gets a little bit of shrapnel <laughs> flying in her face. And we get this moment where she's like, Jesus Christ, who yeah. is this guy? <laughs> so ridiculous. And then uh, presumably we all thought, as Tony thought, Meadows in Europe by now. But nope, she's just back at columbia that's right trying to sign up for last minute classes nothing really important here I, I did take note that she eventually was able to get a philosophy class on morality self and society yep which is significant kind of speaks directly to what she's kind of been going through right and it looks like she is going back to school yeah. whether out of fear or whatever it is well, I think that she was sobered by that conversation that she had with Tony. Yeah. And so she's going to get back on track. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a triumph for Meadow. So I remember you mentioned framing earlier, uh, mm -hmm. that John Patterson directed shot of uh, Meadow, Tony, Carmella. Mm -hmm. And I remember that shot. It was very uh, distinctive to me. Similarly, this final shot of the episode is very distinctive. Yep. The entire final scene just plays out in one shot. And it's almost it, like a painting, you mm -hmm. know, just the way it's laid out. Carmella in the tub, mm -hmm. Tony at the sink, and they just have this dialogue. And I thought it was just a very visually striking way yeah. to close the episode. Yeah. They are... Uh... Basically, both feeling exhausted right. from what they went through. And Tony offers Carmela something, you know, that she wanted because he feels guilty for mm -hmm. blowing up at Meadow. But we end with Carmela saying, it's me she blames. For what? End of the scene. Fade out. And I feel that, you know, it could possibly be that Carmela is thinking because she doesn't answer him. That she's possibly thinking that Meadow blames her for either staying with Tony or even being with Tony in the first place. Right. 
that's who why she blames Carmela. Right. Yeah. It is kind of uh, enigmatic, you know, the way that Carmela says that. You know, you sort of have to think about it a little bit. Like, what does she mean by that? It's me she blames. And of course, the fact that it just fades out on that without an answer to the question mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, just goes to show that you're supposed to ponder it a little bit. But I think that you're exactly right. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Join us next week. Until then, if you're enjoying this podcast, there are many ways to support it. Subscribe on iTunes or at on your phone on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, like us on Stitcher and on Twitter at The Soprano Show. And like we do with every episode, ending with our favorite line. Hannibal, you did mention you had a favorite line from that Tony Janis scene. What was it? Oh, my God. I don't even know why I loved this so much, but Mm -hmm. I just kept replaying it over and over and over again. Uh Unfortunately, we can't get the visual because the expression on Gandolfini's face as he delivers this line (laughs) is like one of the greatest expressions that he's ever had on his face in the show. I don't know why. I just think this is so great. But it's when Tony's fucking with Janice about Ralphie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> first, like, when we do this clip, I want to start with the orange juice sip. Okay. So how's your love life? Why don't you mind your goddamn business? I don't know. It kind of feels like it is my business, considering I had to haul your last boyfriend out of your kitchen in a hefty bag. Yeah, it is... <laughs> That is a really stinging line. Oh, yeah. It's it's fun. They're just like, you know they're brother and sister. Exactly. You That's know? why I like it so much. But, it's, it is, <laughs> but what they're talking about is pretty dramatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine is, I could not get the song out of my head after Christopher rolls up to the construction yard and introduces himself as New Capo to his crew and says, If I were a carpenter... And you were a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Scene.